Okay, it's going, but I don't know if it's going, going, because Restream is weird. I'm just going to start. Hi, my friends. Welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. What? Oh, God. What? I thought I lost you for a second, because... Oh, I thought I lost me, too. It's fucking Skype. And uh, also joining us is your co-host, Hunter. What's going on, everybody? Hey. And uh for the fourth or fifth time back on the show, uh I can't even remember your current title, Chris, because I've been mired in this game for the last week. Uh Chris Stockman, who worked on Fleets of Soul and Battle for Soul, which, by the way, quick plug, is on sale right now as we record this in the Steam Weekly Sale. Uh Both games are on sale and in a small bundle as well. So if you haven't picked those up yet, you should. You should. Welcome back, Chris. This is at least your fourth or fifth time here. We lost count. Uh, we don't know. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Good to be back. Good to be talking about uh, a really a great game that uh, uh, I worked on that very few people really know about. So. Yeah, you're welcome. We're glad to have you on. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing about that, because I I've been meaning to play this game for years, because I didn't I thought Elite Force was kind of all right, you know, but yeah. I never liked Voyager, so I thought this was another Voyager game, so I avoided it until people told me, no, it's great, you have to have it. So it took me forever to find an affordable copy, because they go for bank on eBay, you guys. You can't get this digitally. Oh. Let me tell you something. I, I still have my copy that I bought when it was still on store shelves. Like that's the one that I'm currently playing with. So you have nice. a, you have the original 13 year old. Correct. By the like way, I've, I've I've had it ever since it was released. Have so. we said the name of the game yet, guys? We're talking about Star, Star Trek, Trek Elite Force Two. Yes, yeah, Star Trek Elite Force Two, which came out in 2003 from Ritual and Activision, I believe. That's right. Yeah. And what got us on this is that, uh, Hunter, you were talking about how you were getting it to run, how it ran a widescreen and everything. And I'm like, oh, I haven't played it, even though I bought it like a month ago. And Chris chimes in, oh, I worked on that. Yeah. We're like, crazy. what? Crazy thing enough was, is I, I was, I was looking at all of the games that had been coming out and I'd been thinking to myself, man, there just doesn't seem to be anything that's really just getting me. Let me go into my backlog of games that I've actually never completed and see what I've got. And Elite Force 2 was like, hey, I'm, I've been here, sitting here for the last 13 years, dude. <laughs> like, play me. And so I, I beat the first one and the expansion, loved it, um, and never actually started playing this one. So loaded it up and come to find out the game just installed like on Windows 10 and works. Like, it, no problem, which is yep. a testament, I guess. That's That's pretty cool. That is super impressive because these days to get an old game like this to work uh, on modern OSs is it can be a real hurdle. It can be a real uh, it can be a real struggle because sometimes it won't install from the disk. Sometimes you have to set 18 compatibility modes. But this game, got to get like a community pass. Yeah, exactly. But this game, boom, right out right out the box from the disk, no problem. Yeah, I, I installed it as well and was pleasantly surprised that I was able to fire it up and it, it brought it brought back some memories, that's for sure. Well, let's uh let's talk about those memories. I you said you started working at Ritual before this game. Let's let's start from there. Where when did you start working for Ritual and what did you work on leading up to this one? Well, I started there in 2000 
and um, it was it was like in the summer of 2000, almost about uh, I guess June June of 2000, and um, we were we I, I was hired by a, a very close friend of mine that um, that we uh, knew each other from our single track days, and I don't know single track was the company behind Jet Moto and Twisted Metal back on the original PlayStation, and so oh yeah, I love um, those games. And and yeah, we met there, and uh, and then when when I left Single Track, uh, he ended up leaving shortly thereafter, and he came to Ritual, and then he hired me on to help him work on and, and finish a Blair Witch budget title that was um, part two of a of a trilogy of, of Blair Witch games that were released to coincide with the sequel, the dreaded terrible sequel that the Blair Witch movie didn't need uh but Maybe making uh, one for the new movie uh wait no what? there's a new blair witch coming out yes 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 what i don't it's something that's not needed i don't know it's hollywood is just dead they, no one has ideas anymore these let's just it's mental bankruptcy if it's not superheroes we got to dig something up from like the <laughs> yeah. 70s it's just yeah it's uh Anyway, uh, the sequel was terrible, and, and the games that we made, uh, there were three of them. Uh, they were not at all connected. Uh, we only made we made the second one, and then the other companies, uh, Human Head made the first one that came out, and then Terminal Reality made the last one that came out. And um, it was a very short project. It was like six months, I think. And uh, I killed myself for that game. We all did, really. Uh, I, I worked basically... Anywhere between 18 to 20 hour days, and I only went home to shower uh, in the mornings, and I would sleep under my desk basically. Um, and so it, it was it was nonstop uh, work, and, and I did it because there was a bonus tied to shipping the game uh, uh, by by October, by Halloween basically, and um, and, and I got a measly five thousand bucks out of it, which you know, looking back, I, I killed myself for for basically. You know, back then it was a lot of money to me, but you know, looking back, it's like it's hey, still you buy like six Oculus Rifts with that, though. Yeah, right. So, I mean, back then it was a lot, but you know, now it's like I look back and I'm like, ugh. I mean, just killed myself. So, so yeah. So after that, uh, after that shipped, um, you know, uh, Ritual was an independent studio, always looking for their next project, so to speak, and um, we we sort of didn't do anything for a little while, and and I pitched some projects to some publishers for original property games, uh, but ultimately Activision uh, came to us and said we would like you to make Elite Force Two, and uh, and we we jumped at the chance, and um, it was uh, it was a great experience. I mean, I I got I learned a ton about first person shooters. I'd never made one before. Uh, I got to meet Patrick Stewart and got to meet. Uh, uh, Tony Todd and um, the dude that played bass on on the eighteen Murdoch. Dirk well, Benedict. Dirk Benedict. Yeah, Dirk Benedict. Yeah, he was a voice uh, voiceover uh, artist for our game. Uh, played his original character uh, from Next Generation. Uh, Patrick Stewart, of course, played Picard. Uh, oh, really? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought he played a guy named Phil. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I'm playing this but, game live while uh, I usually don't do that anymore, but this game, uh, 
it's a first person shooter. We're gonna play it live. Oh crap! And um, I'm I've been stuck on the first level for a while, but I love how much is going on here. Like, I okay, I have a couple questions before I get to. Tutorial time. Do you know why um, Activision didn't stick with Raven for uh, the sequel? I think because they were busy working on on their own property stuff, their own games, and they didn't have time or the bandwidth to do it. And I believe that Activision was contractually obligated to deliver a sequel uh, per the Paramount contract. And so that's why... um, they, they contacted us and, and, you know, we had, Ritual had experience with first pressure shooters. So they're, you know, primarily a FPS house. And so we were, we were a pretty good fit. The, um, it's interesting because the, the, the company was really divided into two teams. Uh, you had all the owners of the company on one team. That was Level Lord and Tom and Rob. Uh, and, uh, and then you had what was, um, what was considered the B team, which was um, uh, myself and and John, the producer, who's, who was the, the close friend of mine that brought me on board. And we basically staffed up uh, for this. When we got the project, we staffed up and we hired, you know, like crazy to, to you know, get the number of people that we needed for the project. But the, the interesting thing is, is we, we, we ended up becoming the only team – in the span that I was there that actually shipped a product twice, wow. shipped two products, the A-team's projects kept getting canceled. They were working with EA on a variety of projects, and they just kept getting canceled or shuffled around or, you know. And, and so we were, like, in the entire three years that we were that I was there, um, you know, the B-team, whatever, is the only team that actually shipped anything. So That's hilarious. Shit. Okay. So, uh, what uh, what engine is this game made in? Quake Three, heavily heavily modified Quake Three. See, I thought so. There's a there's a few games around that era that came out. I think uh, some of the, like the Jedi Knight games were Quake Three. Yep. I think. Yep. Soldier of Fortune Three. I think was Quake. There was a lot of Quake Three powered games. I mean, a lot. There were, and it was a pretty good engine. I really like the the modability of it as well. Yeah, heavily, heavily moddable, um, and, you know, pretty mature, pretty stable. They just don't make them like they used to. <laughs> well, now it's like two engines for all, right? It's like, it's like Unreal, and it's like Unity, Unity. yeah. You know, unless, unless you're a big company, you can roll your own. Yeah, how often does that happen? So, uh. You know, if I had $118 million, maybe I could have made one. Oh, yeah. hey, snap. So I, I have a question while we're still talking studio stuff, though. So the whole uh, the mercenary game studio like that, like I yeah. said, they're they're like forever hunting for a project. Right. So would that would that be like take two or somebody would bring them an IP and say, we need you to do this? Or yeah. you know, so it's like they just sit and wait. You know, it's like you can't come up with your own idea and say, "Hey, we want to make a game about this." It's like you just have to sit and wait oh, and see no, no, something. No. no, no, no. Every every uh, every independent studio is always pitching their own projects. Um, it just so happens that you know, getting original IP funded uh, is is like pulling teeth, 
right? So it's like publishers tend to stick with using their own IP versus uh, or their own proven IP uh, or even just their own IP they came up with versus someone else's. So um, it's uh, it's really hard to get original IP, you know, funded and published. Not impossible, but really, really difficult. So more often than that, what happens is, is a studio, independent studio, will, will develop a pitch. They'll take it to a publisher, and then they're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. But how about you attach this IP to it? And and that's what that's what happens, you know, ninety percent of the time. Oh jeez. Sorry, this game is intense. I'm still on the yeah. first level. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's um man. Hey, wait till you get to the level I'm on. It's it's really intense. Wait, which levels are you on? I'm on the one where you're down this planet and these guys are shooting like mortars at you and you're trying to like make your way up the castle or whatever this building is on this planet. It's uh last the last one, right? I I don't know. I've never played this before and now I'm glitching out. I just hit a glitch. That was interesting. That was a major glitch. Wow, I wish I got that recorded, so we'll have to go back and look at that. So essentially what happened was I was crossing this bridge and it explodes, but I was actually on it when it exploded and I was up in the sky. And I was walking around in the sky, and then I just like you know floated back down. Everything's fine. That was weird. Oh, I, I know not... what level you're on. I know exactly what level you're on. Yeah, that's not the last one. It wasn't supposed to happen like that, I'm sure. No. <laughs> was I supposed to get to the other side? Because I feel like I, uh, I feel Probably. like I'm missing something. <laughs> I think you were supposed to get on the other side. Whoops. Uh, anyway. Have you gone oh. on the, have you gone on the, uh, have you done the spacewalk yet or did I just spoil something? Uh, I've done one where you're on the ship doing a spacewalk and there's like guns you get to man. Yeah. 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 That one's fun. Brian, you're going to like that one. Although, oh. although I feel that it, the, I'm going to be honest with you. I felt that that was not very Trek-like. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not Trek-like at all. It felt, it felt very out of place. That level, even though it was fun, I was just like, what the hell? There's there's a giant auto like Yamoto cannon on the bottom of the Enterprise. Yeah. When did that happen? <laughs> that that you know what's funny that um, that level was demanded by Activision because they wanted something to appeal to the non Trek fans. Um, so it was like it was like a, a mix of of level you know mix of sort of sequences that appealed to Trek fans like. For example, you know, like in between the the core action missions, you can wander around the Enterprise and talk to people, and and uh, and and you talk to like the two different like women in your life. Yeah, that's actually really awesome. By the way, I Wait, really like. What? The, uh, yeah, there's there's two of them. Yep. <laughs> what? I, I, oh, I actually came up with that idea of of um, of talk. You know, because because basically, the, whichever one you talk to the most, that's who you end up with. Oh, well, then I know who I'm talking to the most. <laughs> the blonde tells you. So you guys basically, <laughs> you invented you. <laughs> the whole Mass Effect romance tree, huh? Uh, I was, I don't know, was that me? It was, you know, you know what it was? It was, uh, I had got them playing Nolf 2. And, oh, and, uh, such a great game. Yeah, I love that series. And they had a lot of that dialogue choice sequences in those games. And I just remembered, you know, when we were designing this, I was like, man, we have these love interests in his life. It'd be cool if you could, you know, you know, whoever whoever you showed more attention to, you ultimately ended up with. Um, 
But I got the idea from Null, because I think they, or Null 2, I think they did that in Null 2. I don't think they did exactly that, uh, but, um, but you know. If you could, you have, know, if you could you have, know, have had some kind of clockwork poodle in this game as well, that would have been great. Well, it was a total missed opportunity, honestly, and I, I still kick myself for this, is that I, I we should have added, if you talked to both equally, you got both of them at the end. Whoa. You know, <laughs> you know that would have been very perk of us, wouldn't it? You're right there, Bray. Yeah, that would have been very Kirk. Oh, sorry. They couldn't do that in the 60s. Right. I don't know if they could do that now. No, it'd be like Black Dynamite. So I haven't gotten to the Enterprise yet. (laughs) I haven't gotten to the Enterprise yet, clearly. But what I've been told is the the game models most of it. Is that right? Uh, I wouldn't. I mean, the Enterprise is a big ship. I, I wouldn't say most of it, but, I mean, it, we did receive the blueprints, and we did model all the levels in those Enterprise levels uh, off it, of those blueprints. It's a big ship. You know, wow. Things happen. Goes boom. That's yeah, my word, Christopher gets, Wilkin. Sorry. Gets, gets attacked quite uh, severely. It does, actually. Uh, there's there's a lot of interesting uh, interesting things that happen. But really? I'm I'm personally way past that, but whatever. Yeah. Have you have you gotten to the to the Ferengi part yet? What? No. Okay. No. Uh, I um I do like the uh, the fact that they have you guys have had the with the use of this engine with the modability and stuff. There's it's made it available for people to make custom maps like ship maps and stuff like that. Is there a uh, that's still making maps for this game? I don't know if they're still making maps for this game. I just remember that, like, with Elite Force 1, for example, and, you know, uh, this one, uh, there were quite a few that were made. Like, you know, historical maps of ships that you could just go, like, wandering around and exploring. Like, no real purpose, just, like... According to Violet, Violent Blue in uh, YouTube chat, you can do all that. There are maps where you can just wander around, like, entire ships, apparently. That's crazy. So, Brian, I actually have a question. Uh, well, how did you? Where did you buy the game? Um, I got it on eBay for about thirty bucks, and I'll be honest with you, that's the cheapest I found. I had uh, shortly after I started the site, someone asked a uh, space game junkie. Someone's like, "Have you played? Um, have you played Elite Force? The Elite Force games?" I'm like, "Yeah, I played the first one. And I don't know about the second one." They're like, "Dude, the second one's so much better than the first. You have to play the second one." So I had my eye on it for a long time on eBay, and it goes for sixty, eighty. But it's it's not a it's it's not available digitally. It's there's apparently a demand. <laughs> there's apparently a demand Sorry. for it. What what happened? I'm just reading chat on YouTube. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Oh, apparently, Violent Blue says is you can refer you can have two women. Uh, I don't know if that's a mod or what he's referring to. <laughs> I think she's referring to real life. But you know uh... what? We're just gonna move on. Oh, got it. We're just, we're um, just gonna move I thought, right along. I thought you meant in the game. Um, cause that's where my mind is. Uh, but no, I got it on eBay for like 30 bucks a few months nice. ago, which is the cheapest I'd ever seen it. I felt very fortunate. Well, the reason why the game is so expensive is because it, they only made 50,000 copies of them. And, what? and yeah, let's talk about that. You mentioned that, uh, briefly in Facebook. Why is that? 
So uh, near the, the tail end of development, that, that terrible Star Trek uh, movie came out, the last Next Generation movie. Oh, movie that, yeah. Really quite bad. Uh, it, it bombed at the box office. And so Activision desperately wanted to get out of the contract with Paramount that they were in. So they sued Paramount. And they sued him for uh, mismanagement of the IP. What? What? Yeah, yeah. And so they claimed that Paramount's, you know, uh, decisions when it comes to the Star Trek franchise were so bad that it negatively reflected on the sales of all their Star Trek games. And so they wow. decided they decided to only press fifty thousand copies. Uh, because they wanted to show that it didn't sell well for them and that this was just another long line of failures for the Star Trek franchise and that no one was buying Star Trek games because of Paramount's mismanagement of the franchise, including, you know, Enterprise, the sh- you know, the show Enterprise. And Well, I would argue that one, yes. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, and Nemesis. And so... Yeah, but they so, sabotaged yeah. you and your royalties because they just oh, wanted yeah. to make a point, right? Yeah, and, I, and Ritual never worked with Activision again after that, and the complete relationship was oh was really God. bad because they were they were going to make Elite Force three in the Doom three engine, and um, and it had oh, already wow. started working on it. That yeah. would have been amazing. What? That would have been amazing. Oh no. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, they, that, that got canceled right when the lawsuit was filed and, and, uh, and that was, you know, you know, the end of that, so to speak. So, um, so they sabotaged their own game to show that, yeah. Hey, you're not treating our game well <laughs> or the property. Well, what? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Jesus. Okay. Christ. So I just fell off the bridge and there is this giant lizard monster down on the water. That does not look fun. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm, I have to. I started playing it the other day, uh, and uh, I'm still at the beginning levels as well. I really do like, like, I, I like that there's not only kind of a puzzle aspect to kind of getting around the levels. The levels are very well designed so far. I've played a couple of multiplayer ones just to test them out too, but. uh I like how there's a uh, like collecting aspect, like you collect the gold ships. Yeah. Do you like the tricorder puzzles? I love the tricorder puzzles are interesting. I love the tricorder stuff. Yes. I like, wouldn't say I love it, but it does add a, a unique element. I'll like, say this: this is a damn sight better than the on than the ground stuff in Star Trek Online. Yes. If they were to somehow have mixed the ground stuff with this game, uh, yeah. The um, the tricorder puzzles were a, a product of a, a very talented designer um, named Benson Russell who who went off and uh, uh, worked at um, I think he worked at EALA for a while and then and then he went off and worked at Naughty Dog and worked on uh, on almost all the Uncharted's but the but the very last one and then and now he's at Infinity Ward uh, working on uh, on Call of Duty but. Um, but yeah, he he like scripted. He had this idea for these tricorder puzzles, and he took it upon himself, basically scripted the entire system out. So I mean, all those tricorder puzzles are like hardcore un, uh, Quake script, um, which is basically programming. He programmed all those out. 
on top of designing uh, a couple levels. And he actually came from, uh, we actually hired a bunch of people from uh, him. His, he was one of them, uh, 2015. And I don't know if you remember that company, but they did the very first Medal of Honor for the PC. Oh, yeah. Was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we hired like three level designers uh, from from 2015, um, and and uh one of them is still in the Dallas area and works at ID, and then the other, the other is an, a longtime Epic guy and has worked on all the uh, Gears of Wars, uh, and then and then yeah, Benson went off and did Uncharted. So yeah, some really talented people have worked on that game. Is sort of what I was was getting to. Oh, I got a boss fight now. I got a I got a big drone or something. Ooh, I was oh, just it's taking the, It's the big Borg of yeah, it's the Borg Nosican. Oh god, that guy's ungodly huge. Oh god, that's exactly what this is. Oh my god, what are, any tips? Yeah, you gotta blow up the pillars, uh, around the sides and it like injures them and then it gives you opportunities to hit them. Yeah. Any particular weapon, any, any weapon better than any other weapon or? God, it's been so long since I played okay. that. Yeah, you gotta like, I think you gotta like tricorder something on the backside yeah. of all the pillars. Oh, for God's sakes. What? Okay. Okay. Ow. Ow. Dude, we can't oh. just I see it. I see it. Neat, neat bags. Violent Blue is like, that Borg monster is big, but he has a nice looking waist. <laughs> oh, crap. The shit, the shit only stays down. The shit only stays down for like a second. Crap. Okay. I'm going to run to this one. Yeah, this is, oh, this is hard. I don't think I'm going to make it. I, I, I don't think I'm going to make this. <sighs> So, um, what was all involved with, like, some of the voice acting stuff? Like, how, like, um, I don't know where I was going with that. I had the question in my mind, and then I missed it. So, uh, what was all involved with, like, some of the voice acting stuff? Like, how, like, um... What the, what? I don't know where I was going with that. I had the question in my mind, and then I missed it. So, uh, anybody else hear the echo? Yeah. Stuff? Like, how, like... Oh, it's off of Chris. That's what it is. It's off of me. Yes. Yes. That's weird. Oh, it's off of Chris. What the what? Yeah, you probably somehow turned on audio and you're you're watching the YouTube. I think I got stuck inside a shield. I I did. I totally got stuck inside a shield. Technical difficulties. Sorry about that. I was watching the YouTube video, and that's what happened. Yeah. Oh. It's all good. It's all good. Um, no, I was just really I was really wanting to know, like, uh, what kind of... Do you know any of the processes involved with just doing, like, the, the voice acting with the game itself? And Oh, yeah. I participated in all of the, the voiceover sessions. So um, I, helped, I helped write the game. Uh, we, we actually... They, Activision hired a... Uh, a, a professional writer and and him and I sort of banged out the um, the flow of the, the game and and the, the major story beats and then and then basically what I did is I wrote I wrote basically you would call it like a first pass uh, uh, dialogue lines and then it, pa- it was passed off to the to the writer to, um, to sort of you know Star Trekify it basically. Uh, Can they, you uh... they come to you and say like here's the story? Or did, were you guys just like, okay, we're going to make a Star Trek game. Now we got to figure out what the hell we're even going to do. 
So initially, that's a good question. Initially, we created the story, and 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 our story was about um, a terrorist faction that that blows up Starfleet Academy, and and then you go on like a revenge sort of uh, kick. Uh, to wow, they out. totally ripped you off, man, for the, the, <laughs> well, in the, the darkness movie. The, Did you have the, teleporters that would go like from Earth to Quonos? Uh, yeah, it was um worst mechanic ever. I hated that so much. Well, the, the crazy thing was is that it was it, like I think part of the initial attack was like a one of the ship, like one of those uh, one of their starships crashed into the academy and and uh you know crashed into the building. And then 9/11 happened and uh and Activision was like, "Oh, we can't do anything with terrorists." Uh Paramount said the same thing. Both of them were like can't do anything with terrorists. Can't do anything with terrorists. So that's what it. So then they took over the story and basically created their own thing. Interesting. Um, yeah. So what was it like uh, working with Patrick Stewart? Can you can you talk about that? I mean, yeah. I mean, he, you know, consummate professional. Um, he had a like a multi game deal with Activision because Activision was doing X Men games as well. Huh. So he would go in and like one day he would be Patrick Stewart, you know, Captain Picard. Then the next day he'd be. Professor X, and, and so, um, yeah, I mean, he just, you know, he'd come in and just bang out his lines, and, I mean, he very little direction. Uh, yeah, because I remember him, his work with uh, the um, RTS games, the... Um, yeah. The, what were those games called? I know, uh, Star Star Trek, like... Uh, well, clearly, called? it's not Elite Force. It was the uh, Armada, Armada 1 and 2, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, Armada, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had like a multi-game deal with them. Um, so yeah, I mean, he came in, played, you know, was, was Captain Picard, uh, just, you know, complete professional and, but not very, you know, not very personable, right? Not very, you know, I mean, he, he just got in and got out. He didn't really, you know, play around or didn't do it. He was like, hey, how the kids? No small talk. Yeah, it was like, you know, just come in and out. Like, you know, it didn't seem like he was, you know, I mean, I don't know if he had fun or not. Probably not. Guys been doing this for a long time, right? So, um, but but uh, there were a lot of other actors though. Like, uh, um, what's what's the dude Benedict Benedict? What, what's his what? Benedict face? No, no, no. The the face uh, face. Dirk on, Benedict. Uh, yeah, Dirk Benedict. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that oh, guy. Yeah. That guy was a riot. I mean, holy. <laughs> The outtakes we got from him were just amazing. Just the shit he would say was, he would what go into Dwight Schultz. Characters. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. You're right. Not, dude. Yes. Dwight Schultz. He wasn't face. He was Murdoch. Oh, I yeah. love Dwight Schultz. Yeah. Dwight Schultz. That guy's a, dude, that guy turned into like a full time VO actor. Like that's all he does now. Oh, wait, a what actor? Voice oh, voiceover? Oh, yeah. Well, apparently, yeah, yeah. apparently it's a good career. Apparently he does quite a bit of it. He was in some... Yeah, yeah, he does. He was in a space game a year or two ago called Agent Space. And, yeah, and he did uh, Harley Quinn on Batman. Um, What? No, I'm kidding. That was Tara Strong. Uh, I, was I just wanted like, to see what? if... Yeah, it's like, huh? Um, but, see if but, we're paying attention? Exactly. He, yeah, dude, that guy is awesome. Like, he would, we would have him do, even, he would go into, like, Murdoch mode and, like, did a bunch of Murdoch lines, like, as if Murdoch was in the game. That was awesome. Oh, my God. Right? 
And Tony Tony Todd was an awesome dude too. That guy was. I did get to meet Tony Todd once at a Star Trek convention. He was so nice. Yeah. Wait, yeah. can you imagine if if um and Mr. so big? He's a huge man. Real quick, who does the uh, the voice acting for the main guy in the game? You'd like the you, the guy you play in the game? Oh, Monroe. Oh, yeah. Monroe. Oh, it's man. I don't know. Let's find out. That's pretty easy to find out. Because that voice sounds familiar. Yeah, there's a lot of people that I think that that were a voice in the game that uh, that went off to have really sort of um, you know. Lucrative careers. There we go. Prolific. So, so uh, what what would you say got more got more love in this game, the single player or the multiplayer? Out of sheer curiosity. Oh, single player for sure. No doubt about it. That's good. Well, multi multiplayer wouldn't have been that much of a problem though, wouldn't it? I mean, it's it's uh it's the Quake Three engine, so I mean, it's just kind of really like, you know, give it the assets and go right. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, yeah, I mean, it just, we didn't really spend a ton of time, uh, creating like all of these, you know, special, unique modes. It, it was, I, w- I wouldn't call it an afterthought, but it, as close to it, uh, uh, as, as it, you know, as it could be. Um, we just knew that, we just didn't think that multi, that's not what people, would buy this game for they would buy it for the Star Trek story and 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 getting to interact with you know the the Picard and uh, the other Star Trek characters in the game. So it, it, multiplayer was was just not um, was something we had to do, but it wasn't something that we spent a ton of time on. So I'm, so I'm looking at the credits. Uh, the Alexander Monroe's the guy. His name is Reno Romano. I don't know what else he's done. Um, that doesn't sound familiar at all. No, but but I forgot that Tim Rust was in it. He he uh, replayed uh, his Tuvok. Tuvok. Yeah. Yep. And Jeffrey Combs was in it. He was. Um, uh, oh my he, God! I love Jeffrey Combs so much. Yeah, he played an Andorian, um, who also he was also the Andorian in. Uh, in Enterprise, the best. That's character. right. I, you know, I, yeah, he was he was like the best character on that show. <laughs> really? He was on Enterprise. Yeah. Well, now I have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he plays an Andorian. He um, isn't that the same guy though who plays uh, Wei Yun? And Brunt. Yes. And yep. Brunt. That's Brunt. right. Same guy. Yep. Same guy. I, I don't know. I, I feel like as 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 uh, sniveling as Wei Yun can be, he was such a great character. I love Wei Yun so much because he like I love how he didn't Wei Yun Wei Yun five or Wei Yun four the one who wouldn't take shit from Ducat <laughs> that's the one the one who was like Ducat was like yes of course you're gonna win and he's like no no be cautious we haven't won yet you know I love that Wei Yun right there like yeah don't don't get too big Ducat yeah that's the Wei Yun I love and then uh, J G Hertzler now J G oh Hertzler wow yeah it's a Klingon in Next Generation he played um. Chance the the Chancellor dude at the end of uh, Deep Space Nine, yeah, he was elected Chancellor. Uh, go, oh, what the fuck was his name? Oh shit, Galron? Are you talking no, about Galron? No, not Galron. Not... No, not Galron. Galron got killed. Um, oh, spoilers, everyone. Uh, no, uh, who the fuck was Hertzler? Uh, shit, hang on. So you talking about the Klingon who does the voice? The guy who does the voice of the Klingon in this game? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's the same guy who played as Worf's brother. That's Tony Todd. Yeah, that was Tony Todd. 
No, uh, JG Ursula, he, he played Chan, he played Galron. He didn't play Galron in, in Elite Force 2, but, cause Galron died, right? But, but he did play, uh, uh, I think he played a Klingon in, in the game. Huh. So the multiplayer in this thing, was that, um, was that a thing that you had intended right from the top? Or it's like, well, it's Quake, we should do that? Yeah. Or was it a thing that they demanded, like, uh, no, everything must have multiplayer now? Well, probably a little bit of both. Um, so what what modes does it have? Oh, it his name like was Martok. Sorry, his name was Martok on D Space Nine. Oh yeah, Martok. Martok. Yes. Sorry, just had to throw that in there before we got angry emails. He was Martok. Um, man, you know what? I have. I'll be honest with you. I don't remember too much about the multiplayer. We're going to find out on Thursday because that's what we're playing. And we were yeah. happy. Yeah, you could show up for that. Yeah, you could totally I will. show up for that. And uh, we were happy to find out that with using Evolve to simulate a LAN, it worked. It worked great. It did. Yeah, send me instructions on how to, how to, how to connect to you guys. Will do it's, it's, after the podcast. It's, it's shockingly easy. Awesome. Oh, wow. I'm fighting this, like, cloaking monster dude. What the fuck? Sorry, F bomb. My bad, guys. I'm just walking around Starfleet headquarters, like, hey, walk in this office. What? What's going this thing's on? He's called a stalker. Go oh. away, stalker. Yeah. Can I talk to um, you? Oh. Yeah. I'm looking at I'm looking at the credits. So yeah, the two the two girls that you talk to is Telsia Murphy and then Juliet Jerome. Well, one of them was uh, from the first game too, though. Like the Kelsia was, yeah. Yes. Yeah, all the original actors from the first game came back, except the female actor. Remember, in the first game, you could pick between a male or female. Yeah. Vaguely, yeah. yes. So you could pick between the male or female character, that, you know, to play as, and and we ended up uh, uh, axing the female part because we wanted a story that was a little bit more focused. Um, so yeah, we got, we got some, some shit for that, but, uh, oh well. Only really? people bought the game, so, you know, what are you going to do? I, 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 I didn't care, personally. I think, I think back then it wasn't really that big of a deal, in my opinion. But I, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised you got shit for it, to be honest. Well, I th- yeah. here's the thing, I don't think they would have gotten shit for it if the first game hadn't allowed it. Like, if there, you were just male in the first game... And then just mail in the second game, people probably wouldn't have given it a second thought, is my right. thought. But since that, that option was taken away, people are like, ah, the option is taken away. So I kind of get it. Kind of. Sort of. It's not great. As a girl, I like to play a girl. Well, I understand that, Blue. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. No, I play as a girl myself because if I have to stare at the backside of something for a hundred hours, it's not going to be a man's square ass. That's for sure. See, I just imagine that as my—I just imagine that as my virtual ass, and don't th- don't have a second thought. You're like, look at that ass. Look at huh? that. I'm all about that ass. No. Are you, are you all like, honey, come here, check out my ass? <laughs> no. It depends on if the game allows you to configure your ass, because some games do allow that. You know, when, it's like when, a booty you're create, when you're creating your character. Yeah, there is. Wasn't there a couple of games that let you do that? I don't. There are many, yes. I don't remember. <laughs> there was one you level know, that was in the game that I still to this day thought it would be the coolest, like, experience level. Not really a, a traditional, you know, level in the sense, but like a short 
I don't know, I would say maybe 10 to 15 minute long sort of experience. And, and it was a, a sequence where uh, you were in a shuttle and the shuttle was falling through the atmosphere of a planet. And you basically had to use your tricorder to restore power and, and basically warp out, uh, uh, before you crash. Oh, that sounds amazing. And, and you could see out of the display, you know, the screen, and it was literally like going through the atmosphere. You saw like it heating up and, and, and all of it, you know, as you're plunging through to, to, uh, you know, to, um, to the, to the depths below, uh, to the planet below. But, um, yeah, and it was, it was supposed to only be like, you know, 10, like I said, 10, 15 minutes long. And, Man, these are the worst cadets ever. I'm like a lieutenant or whatever, and I'm like, hey, cadet. And they're like, whatever, I don't want to talk to you. I'm like, excuse me? Oh, you're at Starfleet Academy. Yeah, these are the worst yeah, cadets in the world. There was a, there was a, there was an incident where I was at the uh, academy as well, and I'm walking around, and I stopped, cause you can actually listen to them have conversations. And there's these two girls that are having a conversation about, hey, the Voyager crew, they're back. Wouldn't it be great to like talk to one of them? And I'm like, I'm standing. <laughs> right here and then they just like turn around and walk away and i'm like you are insulting <laughs> i think we're the only game that had this that, that actually featured the start the, the academy in it I was, a, yeah as, it's it's really nice it's really well done like looking around and stuff it's like i feel like uh, i'm just looking for boothby now i know he's not with us anymore yeah. but so who actually did the levels in this thing it was one of it was the b team right well, I mean, we were all considered the B team. Right, but I, I, I mean, it wasn't like Richard oh. was, was doing it, right? So it was one of you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did some multiplayer maps, but... Um, Barkley's in this. Wow. Yeah, Barkley, yeah. Dwight Schultz. Yeah. Nice. I love uh, Barkley so uh, much. Uh, and and Tom, Tom did a, a multiplayer level as well. Uh, level Lord did, I think, two of them. Um, but uh, the core level design group was... Um, some of the best level designers I had ever worked with. So yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is is like for for it being the B team, they sure nailed the hell out of the ship and then that environment out there. And you know, it's like the primitiveness of the Quake engine. At the you know, it's yeah. Just um, I'm just imagining like if you if you could redo this in a modern engine like you know UT4 or something. Oh, I know. I, I you know for the longest time, uh, so few people have have you know, got access to this game or played this game. I, I think it's such a hidden gem. I, I really wish that, uh, I tried to get, tried to talk Paramount to get me to, to, to basically fund, a, uh, to do it for like Xbox Live and, uh, and, uh, you know, PSN back during PS3 and the 360 days. I thought it'd be a great little, you know, I mean, it's a long game. It's like 10 hours long, but I thought it'd be a great way to, you know, get people that love classic sort of shooters. Yeah, this is a, definitely a game that deserves to be available digitally. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I, so yeah. where are the rights tied up? Like, why can't that happen immediately? Because well, there's, there's a lot of Star Trek games that are just not on GOG, for example, and it's kind of confusing. Yeah, so Activision owns the code, but I think Paramount pretty much owns the rest, and, and, and you know, there's no reconciling that, basically. He, you know, I'm going to go on a limb here and just say Paramount needs to stop being stingy because the last year or so... They're leaving has, money on the table. It's it's really been just bad. Everything from the, the fan film stuff to, like, the stuff that you're talking about here. I mean, that's just, like, 
I'm I'm honestly confused as to the why they're making these really what seems to be stupid decisions. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's really I, I can't completely blame them. I mean, Activision, like I said, owns the code, and it's not like they're going to let it go um, unless they receive uh, you know a, a hefty payment or at least part of the uh, you know royalties. Um, but yeah, it's it's it would be stuck between those two. It would I mean it would have to get approval for for both those companies before you know we could do it. Well, um, there's money. I think there's money to be made here because exactly. I would I would double dip for a digital copy of this. No well, let, let's let's look for example at uh, the the Sins of a Solar Empire mod with Star Trek Armada three there and the amount of. Um, enthusiasm that was involved with that and the team that was involved with that. And I, I just, I don't know. It's, you don't see a lot of new Star Trek games coming out and they're certainly trying to rebrand the franchise. So it's just kind of like, you know, yeah. there's yeah. an opportunity here and it'd be a shame for them not to jump on it. Yeah. Like I said, it, it would be, it would be yeah, trying to convince, I don't even know, if, you know, I, man, I don't, I don't even know if the source code still exists. You know, I mean, Ritual is oh. long gone. Uh, and uh, I don't think it's theirs to begin with. So Activision may have it in their archives. Um, you know, you'd have to get the assets. I mean, it's, it's you know, it, it, I think it's this is one of those things that's going to be lost, uh, you know, a game sort of lost in, lost in time. You know, good luck buying copies of it. They're rare to rare. Yeah, they are. And I I would gladly donate my copy if it would mean that they could digitally dist- like distribute this thing again. I wouldn't. Yeah, because but... I mean it's it, in the uh, well, is it officially abandonware? Like, you know, I guess it would say, be because hey, the abandonware com- sites. Oh, I don't. Yeah, because Activision. Because I wouldn't. Around, I wouldn't though. say like you know ISOZone had it or anything like that. Well, so yeah, nudge nudge. I mean, yeah, I don't. Even, I mean, I don't even know what it would take to just just take the game and, and put it on. Uh, I'm I'm on. just kind of a little bit ticked that that they screwed you guys as far as distribution and and how many copies they pressed and everything. I'm just, but it, but then again, did it exceed demand or was it like, you know, like everybody that wanted it got it and then it just wasn't languishing on store shelves to be picked up, you know, as an impulse purchase or something. Hey, I'll, here's. Go ahead. I was going to say, there's actually a really great question in chat right now. Someone's asking, uh, if they do do a new one, would you like to be on the project? I'd love to work on another Star Trek game. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, Star Trek is such an amazing property. You would think working on a game, you'd want to do it right. But there are just so many, and we don't yeah. know how this happens, so many poor Star Trek games. Like, this game... Seems like more the exception rather than the rule and the fact that it's actually competent and good and fun. Well, what, what I wish people would do is the same thing that I wish they would do with, with, uh, movies and fan projects and, and stuff as well is make Star Trek stuff that's like nudge wink, not Star Trek, right? Like just sidestep from the IP just enough that you can not be, uh, you know, bringing CBS Paramount down on you, but but just come up with like some open source IP for for a uh, Star Trek similar universe, right? 
Well, you know what's great about this game is, and I and I and I don't know if Brian, if you've noticed it, is that uh, this game is just like enough, like silly, right? Like it's not um, it's not like a purist thing, right? You know, it's not like because because uh, you know that that weapon level where you're on you're on the outside of the Enterprise shooting yeah. these giant auto cannons, <laughs> yeah. they're just kind of like, where did the Enterprise get those? Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, so there's there's enough silliness in it, but there's still enough Star Trek-y, like in it that I think you know uh, it keeps it keeps the games fun, and that's kind of what I miss about these kind of games is that uh, they don't need to be taken too seriously, uh, but yet there's still a fun story being told. Yeah, yeah, it was it, 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 for us. It was like you know a, a mix of what people love of the sort of set pieces that people expect. Or at least back then, expected in first-person shooters, they're way over the top now. But uh, but you know, back then, you, you know, you'd have your set pieces that that are very memorable moments for a first-person shooter. And then and then and then, but then we also had a lot of sort of uh, points in the game where we where everything sort of slowed down, especially the Enterprise levels. And it was really more about savoring the Star Trek universe and the characters and being able to interact with with them in meaningful ways, you know? Um, I, I mentioned the Ferengi thing, and I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but it, it's a really sort of awesome uh, fan service moment where, you know, you get to outsmart a Ferengi. And, and it's something that for those, those fans, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a nod. It's a wink to, to, to the Star Trek fans and say, Hey, we, we, we hear you, we read you, and this is for you, you know? Yeah, and there are a lot of uh, nice little touches in here. That's not worth, well, by I'm, the way. I'm uh, I'm down on some starbase. There's a bunch of uh, Klingons, humans, and Dorians. Uh, oh, and someone's talking about a Ferengi. So I have a feeling. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's a cantina here, and there's some uh, Orion slave chicks dancing on a stripper pole. Look at that. <laughs> Wow, is, is this Twitch safe? I'm, uh, wow. Okay. $3,000 donation, you know you're doing the right thing. <laughs> Shake that green booty. I mean, you get to interact with the Romulans in this game. I mean, there's just so many, it's like one famous Star Trek, you know, alien race after another that you, you get to, 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 yeah. you know, interact with or fight against and, and, and Blue's like, oh my god, Worf's there, and you have a Halo gun. It is kind of Halo looking. That, There's uh, a big rifle, bodyguard here. Phaser rifle. There's also a hey, lot of there's also there's also a lot of crawling in this game. A lot of crawling through ducts. A lot of crawling yeah. through ducts. Early on, there is. It, it doesn't get. Uh, it, it tapers that, off. Yeah. 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 It definitely. Tapers oh off. no! I got killed by so a duct. Start, so you start. Did it quack? Did it quack like a duck? Yes. Um, so you start out with the Borg, right? And then yeah. where do you go from there? Like, what other enemies show up in this thing? Because it's like I've seen a lot of Borg. Yeah, the Borg. The Borg at the beginning, though. Yeah. Yeah, just the beginning, and it basically retells the uh, um, the Void, you know, escaping when the Voyager got back to Earth. Basically, it retold from the very last episode of, of Voyager. It, it sort of. We put a we put a, a bit of a different spin on it, but it, yeah, I, I, you did. <laughs> but it's interesting. You got to continue the fiction, 
So yeah, that's... yeah. Well, yes, there was a there was a segment in that in the last episode of Voyager where uh, they were stuck in a board ship and then and then they weren't. And so uh, and, and they did they did say how they did it, but we sort of kind of filled in the gaps, I guess you could say. Um, maybe put our own little little twist on it too. But uh, uh, and then and then but you really fight against for a big part of the game. You fight against these um, these sort of aliens called uh, xenomorphs uh, and and uh, they're like basically they're not sentient they're like almost animalistic uh, aliens like well like 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 the movie aliens <laughs> I mean it was it was kind of it's kind of like those um, in a sense holy and, crap I'm uh, getting ready to get into a cage fight with a Nausicaan and my bat left oh god oh yeah 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 I remember that yeah um, yeah, so uh, you fight against these sort of these these really hostile aliens, and then it's not through it's not every level in the game. It, 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 it they they show up in a few places, and I mean ultimately you 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 have to defeat like the evil giant queen, I think, or uh, of these xenomorphs. But um, but then you know you fight against Romulans, and you fight against uh, uh, gosh, I don't know. You know, here and there, these hostile aliens, like the Nausicaan that he's talking about with the Batlet. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't crawl through, I can't crawl through this duct at all. I keep dying. I'm just terrible at crawling through ducts, apparently. What, what, uh, what uh, mission are you on? I'm still on the second mission. It's called reassignment. <laughs> okay. Well, the first part of this mission was just wandering around Starfleet Academy. Hey, there's the Ferengi. And then talking, to, and then talking to that 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 girl who apparently he's engaged to or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. And then deciding, okay, we we're both resigning. No, we're not. You go or whatever. I like that choice. Oh man, I suck at this. <laughs> yeah, I, folks, if you're not watching the thing, I have to crawl through a, a duct, like a Jeffrey's tube type thing with a series of open flaming valves that, that go off at different times. And I've died, I think about six times in a row now. Cause you got to time it just oh, right. You get to quote a rule of acquisition to the Frangi. What? <laughs> That's great. That's what I was... I didn't want to give it away, but yeah. <laughs> Blue says, dude, stop running into the fire. <laughs> I know, I'm not trying to. It's just I don't know, like... I don't move fast enough or whatever. It's like, you have to do this, like, exactly right. Or else you will die. Damn it! Whoops. Sorry. This is fine. Oh, man. So it's kind of a tragic story, this game. Huh? It's it like it's a great game. And it's well it's well lauded by people who remember it. But like they only made a small amount of copies and like they like sabotaged their own property. That, that must have been really frustrating at the time. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, the thing is, is that I, I left pretty much uh uh right as the game was, was, uh, wrapping up. Um, 
I, I, uh, I left the company and, and went to 3D Realms for a bit. Um, but, uh. Did you work on Duke Nukem forever? Well, uh, for like three months. I don't <laughs> know. You can really. Not quite forever. Just long enough to, to, to understand why, why it never came out. Um, so, uh, or, 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 you know, actually, long enough to realize why it had taken so long. Let's put it that way. So explain why had it taken so long? Well, there was just, was there it? was no, no direction. There was no, oh, okay. uh, no leadership. It was everybody was doing their own thing. And, uh, and you know, when they, they would get pretty far cause, cause they, they tried to, they tried to, the valve model, right. Where it's just a mm. flat structure and everybody's just, you know, doing their own thing and, and making stuff happen. And, You'd have sprints here and there uh, where people would 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 sort of galvanize around a, a particular goal. Yeah, well, they rolled the engine so many times too, didn't they? Well, yeah, that? so that's the thing, right? They would, you know, they would they were on Unreal Tournament for a long time, and then oh, uh, and then uh, and then when Doom came out, it was like oh, lighting, all this re- you know realistic lighting and di- you know dynamic lights and whatnot. And so it was like, well, you know, we got to switch, so. Um, so they switched engines and, uh, and then of course, you know, that's not something that you can just do overnight. Um, so they'd spend years rewriting the game. Uh, and then there was this, just an insane quality bar that they wanted to hit that, um, that is, is, is nice, but you know, you need direction and you need guidance and you need someone saying, this is what we're going to do. And these are the levels and here's the story and here's the flow and here's the, monsters that you face and here's this and here's that and here's that and there's just none of that so you need someone like that to for people to rally behind and when you don't have any of that everybody's just kind of siloed off in their own you know doing whatever and that's why it never comes out or you know it does eventually but you know after the company shut down and someone else bought it and put it out so that's, Jesus, these Klingons are relentless. Holy crap! What are the, what's going on on your end? I'm still stuck in that in that Jeffrey's tube. <laughs> well, just like I'm, I'm fighting a whole horde of Klingons, and they're just—I mean, you shoot them, and they don't fall. Um, yeah, but um, but I was, you know, I was sad for Ritual for for what had happened. I thought I thought Elite Force Two, um, you know. Was uh, was a pretty good game given the fact that you know the Star Trek IP has had a really sort of you know long list of crappy games to it, and uh, and I thought we were a bit of a, a diamond erupt that everybody sort of um, forgot about, you know, uh, and then and then it came out and everybody was like reviewing it like sevens and eights and and suddenly it was like oh my gosh this you know this, this could be this is pretty good, and then, yeah, and then you couldn't find it, and that was that. Well, that's a shame. It would be really nice to see, you know, something come out of it, you know, like to see, uh, you know, like a, a new a new Star Trek like thing, because I think that's just a, an IP that's just really lacking. Because you see all these Star Wars games that come out, and all these other sci-fi games, you know. 
I, th- I just feel like the love for Star Trek just isn't that great because what was what was the like the last like Star Trek game that was like re- that came out? It wasn't Bridge Commander. It was uh... Star Trek DA. It was uh, Star Trek. It, it came out the last uh, time of Into Darkness. It was a third person. Oh yeah, that one. I never oh. even I never even tried I didn't that touch one. It. I, was, I guess I, I guess I was thinking of the um uh the sh- the ship simulator one. The um... Bridge Commander. No, 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 no. The uh. Came out after that. Oh yeah, Legacy. Legacy, that piece of crap. Oh, um, I never played that. Yeah, I was not a, not a fan of that thing at all. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't play. There it. was a Star Trek game for the DS that was actually not terrible, surprisingly. Yeah, it was no, also the PSP. Remember the, remember the, the those old two uh, D Star Trek games. From the original, with the original crew? Oh yeah, of course. 25th anniversary and judgment rights. Oh yeah. Absolutely. There's also like the, the, the console games too, like the, uh, Deep Space Nine game and. No guys, I first cut my teeth on the text adventures back in the mid 80s. That's what I first cut my teeth on with Star Trek. Well, and the, and that, remember that tactical game, that ASCII tactical Star Trek game that was like big in the 70s? You know what I'm talking about? Like, move your ship 120 degrees, fire your photon torpedo 270 oh, yeah. degrees, and it's all ASCII characters, and you're fighting Klingons and their Ks, and you're a, you're an ampersand or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was good stuff. I just wish that they would make a Star Trek game that was less about combat and more about, like, the stuff that Star Trek's supposed to be about, which so Wink just touched a- on in Twitch. What? Yeah, I have a thought about that. Yeah. Specifically. All right. So, in did you watch Cosmos with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson? I did not. Okay. So, you missed out and you should do that. But uh what happened was he had his uh CG spaceship, right? And and it was it was like, okay, I'm on the spaceship of our imagination and we're going to fly over to this black hole and here we are like on the event horizon, you know, looking down and and he would explain the whatever, right? So, I think about like Star Trek combined with an engine like what Elite Dangerous is running, where they actually do simulate galactic phenomena pretty nicely. Right. So what about an actual science game where let's just say the the ship it's a science ship, right? You're not a combat ship. And you have science missions to do. I'd play the fuck out of that. I, I know, right? And then you get somebody like Neil deGrasse Tyson to be the captain or something, right? And then he could just, like, narrate through what the hell's going on. And there is your actual science lesson from an astronomer who is explaining the phenomena that you are investigating and such, right? And then you unlock new chapters in the lesson as you go, and you slip an education to the kids, and they don't even realize they got it. You know, wow. I feel like I feel like you want a game that's like um, you know, No Man's Sky but Star Trek. No. No. Nothing at all like that cuz cuz No Man's Sky is a little bit too random, right? I'm I'm talking something more like look at look at all the good that Kerbal Space Program did because it that's taught kids true. physics and it explained like how gyroscope how gyroscopic momentum works right but there's no real there's no real game there it's more it's just a sandbox really for the most part right Uh, and well but it's the thing of like there it's it's just like real life there's the moon do it get there it's like it's that get there because it's there so 
But but yeah, I, I think uh, the other thing that kind of inspired me <laughs> to this it's like is Kirk NLP. says, why do you climb a mountain? Because it's there. Exactly. God damn it. Friends, I was waiting. <laughs> Sorry, um, I had to. God damn so, it. So the thing that in, that kind of inspired me about that was actually William Shatner uh, in <laughs> Elite, right? With the whole voice pack that he did, where he he's the voice of the computer and and whatnot, and and kind of narrates things and that. And I was just thinking, man, if that was Neely Ty, and he was actually talking about what you're looking at, like, hey, here's a binary star system, and this is how this works. Wow, that that would be phenomenal. That would be educational, and there's redeeming value to it, and probably a significant tax break for the developer. Nudge wink. Government funding. Yeah, yeah. Um, so can we get on that, like right after your hang glider game? Yeah. Well, I want to. I want to return to space after. Uh, we would yay! like to send you um, to space from once you came. You want to go back yeah. to Mars? We'll jettison you to <laughs> back yeah, to Mars. I, I, I really Take would like to, to to I want to do a, a VR uh, space game, but but with um, you know the thing with Ultra Wings is that it, it it's all controlled with uh, motion controls, right? The, the touch yeah. stuff. Right. And, How does uh, that work with Oculus though? Because they don't have that yet, or, do, or are you only supporting Vive? No, no, no. We we are we are uh, actually right now only supporting Rift, but but uh, it it is right now a touch only game. Um, Touch is coming out before the end of the year, and we'll be oh, out. Oh, so you're saying that you have something we don't have? Oh, is that oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. God, acid water, acid water. That now. <laughs> Whereas I'm still stuck in the same corridor. <laughs> Brian keeps roasting his marshmallows in the same spot. It's pretty fun. It's just funny at this point. It's just funny at this point. I can't. Yeah. What, what's what's going on with that? So. These. Yeah, so yeah. the the whole touch thing, right? Where yeah. uh, you're you're the only person I know that has both a rift and a vibe, <laughs> right? And and as soon as I take care of my, well, I'm I'm still working, but I have a pending employment situation in about a month and a half, so I'm I'm trying to secure something before then. And as soon as I do that, my gift to myself is a rift or a vibe, right? And I'm I'm on the fence because I am with the Vive. People are like, oh well, you have to have like uh-huh. a six foot by six foot area to like walk around in while your head's in the thing. It, no, what I want to do, I'm a sim guy. I want to sit in the chair, grab a stick and a throttle, and I'm flying something, right? So, right. which is the better experience for that sort of thing? And and also, have you messed with uh, with TriDef and taken old games? Like you could take this game. And run it through TriDef, it'll split it into stereoscopic, and you wire the mouse up to head track, and then you're playing with your VR. I have not because I know that it'll make me sick as fuck. Excuse the language, but it'll make me sick. I am I am very susceptible to motion sickness. Oh, I'm, I'm one of those. Oh, so um, the vibe's probably better for you because you are moving with it then. Uh, this is what I've heard is like the if you're a little bit queasy from it. The games where you're actually standing up are better than the things where you're sitting down and the world moves around you. So, yeah, it's interesting. So, I am not a huge fan of gamepad playing on VR. It, it, it uh, uh, I've said this many, many times, but it just takes me out of the game. It, it, I, I'm playing a game. I know I'm playing a game, 
right? Um, uh-huh. But the only thing I've seen with the touch controls is like two guns that float disembodied in the air. You're like ghost gunfighter in that stuff. And that doesn't jive with me either. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have not played many touch games. I don't, we don't have access to everybody else's, you know, work in progress games. And uh, uh, so I don't have much experience with touch. I know what we're doing is uh, just not possible on Vive. I mean, it technically is possible, but the feeling you get with touch and the articulation with your fingers and grabbing hold of the flight stick and grabbing hold of the throttle and 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 manipulating the, in, the aircraft instruments with your hands, it's so natural feeling that that you really you really don't realize that you're holding those touch controllers. Uh, it, it takes a little bit getting used to initially. There's a bit of a learning curve, but once you once you you know, jumped over that hurdle, then then the touch controllers completely melt in your hands, and you don't even realize you're holding them. It's 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 pretty surreal, actually. Whereas the Vive, you always know you're holding those wands. I mean, you just always do. The the, the thing with the Vive, right, is you can walk around in, in a space, and that's awesome. Uh, I I like it. Just for me, the Vive is a is a bit of a pain in the butt because I'm having to reconfigure. My play space. I mean, I got to pull, you know, right. pull the office chair out, right? Well, that's like the problem that people had with the Connect, right? Is like who has an, an empty living room to do that yeah. in? Right. Yeah. Not so, many. so what would you say as far as the uh, the device itself, separate from the whole touch thing, but as far as the quality of the display, the visible area, the the feel of having it on your face for a few hours, um, which, which would you go with just based on that? Do you wear do you wear glasses? Yes. Okay. Um, I heard the Vive is a little more telescopic, so you can you can deal with that. But I yeah. I'm not above getting. They, you can actually get uh, glasses that are like the little John Lennon circle things, and they don't have uh, ear arms where it just sits on the bridge of your nose. And uh, you can get those like custom done, and and people have said those work wonderfully with either one. So. Yeah. I'm, I, I I recommend. I have not gotten my lenses yet, but I have gotten my adapters. I'll show them to you on the camera. Uh, I did a, participate in a Kickstarter. You see these right here? Oh. These are inserts. Hang on a sec. Oh. Okay. These are Vive inserts. I actually have Rift as well, uh, but they are lens inserts that just pop into the headset in front of the lens, and you can get your prescription on it, uh, or for the lenses, they pop into these, then these pop into to the headset. Why? Glasses, yeah. Oh, that's cool. You said that's that's for the Vive, not the Rift? Oh, no, they have it both. Uh, oh, I'll, okay. show, I'll show you the Rift ones. I got... I. Okay, for some reason, I don't see a camera on my end. I don't know what I've done. You have angered the Skype gods. Oh, so Martok. These, Mark are, these are the Rift. Uh, adapters. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Wait, Hunter, is it actually Martok? Like, actually, no, it's the oh. voice actor guy. Ah, geez. yeah, yeah, but it's Hurt, not actually Hertzler. Yeah, that guy. Okay, I'm so stuck. I, I, I. He still has one eye though. <laughs> oh, what? It's funny. Okay, I don't know where I'm supposed to go after this because it's clear I'm not, I can't. I'm not supposed to move forward. Hey, look, look at, look at like this is another. Um, I'm not. 
I'm really not bragging about all these headsets, but but look at I got this is from Razer. The HDK2. So the deal with the Razer one, is it gonna be a direct competitor to Oculus or is it more like more like the Android phone things where where it's a headset kind of deal but you have to stream to it and No, it's a direct competitor. Um they they uh the specs are basically almost on par with Rift um in terms of resolution and uh but the you know the tracking they do do tracking but I don't think it's as as um I have to play with it still so I don't want to pass judgment but you know they don't really have any motion control option and that yeah. is um well if you don't like it I know somebody that'll take it off your hands okay that's kiss of death like without uh, I don't think I can give this away. I actually I told Razer that we would explore putting our game on using their headset. So, um, so we will see. We, we will probably support Vive unless we decide to do a, a. Well, we're talking with Oculus about. So, what are you coding the game in? Is it uh, is it yeah. Unreal? Oh, Unity. Okay, yeah. so so for Unity, right? And you've got Google Cardboard. So could you just click that button and and uh, compile it out for as a Google Cardboard experience as well? Not for our game, no. Okay. We're, we're making an open world game, right? So I mean, it's they're streaming all all of our uh, islands stream in uh, seamlessly. There's no loads. Um, it, it's uh, you know we have water shaders, we got shaders galore. I mean, it's a it's a you know while the style of the game is is fairly um, you know, simplistic, right? So that we don't we're not trying to uh, melt your video card, uh, and we need to maintain a, a solid ninety you know frames per second. Um, but but we're still rendering quite a bit. So uh, okay. could we do a mobile version? Theoretically, we could. Um, yeah. It would just mean really sort of scaling back what the game is and, and altering it. Plus the controls, you know, what do you do with controls, right? At that point, you'd have to support a gamepad. And I'm not yeah. against that, but, um, but uh, you know, another thing that, that really sucks about the mobile VR stuff is that they don't do positional tracking. Right. And, you know, well, the, I mean... Well, the problem I'm trying to solve, right, is that I have, I got a, uh, a cardboard you know, and played around with that. And then I saw where for like 15 bucks, they had a plastic version of that actually had the strap and everything and it fits on and it and it's comfortable. I mean, it feels, you know, like having a rift on the, uh, the problem is you have to stick your cell phone in the front. Right. And right. in order to play like old games, like I was playing fallout, new Vegas and alien isolation with this thing, but there's lag in the stream because I'm having to pipe it over the Wi-Fi in the house from the PC to the phone, and, and you're trying to compress down 1080p and then send it across the Wi-Fi. So it's, you know, if it ha if it's like a tenth of a second behind, it makes a first-person shooter impossible, right? So um, it, it, for like a walking simulator kind of game, it would be fine. Um, but the problem that I've got too is my phone is an HTC M9, and it's got an octa-core in it, which is way overkill for what any phone needs. Please don't do that again. And the uh, the phone, man, I could cook an egg on that bad boy after about five minutes, right? So it's it's like my eyeballs start to sweat. And so the other problem 
is that in order to get up the tether with USB, I'd have to reverse tether it, and then I can just use USB to transfer the thing, and it would be lag-free. But I have to actually root the phone to do that, and I've had a bitch of a time rooting this phone for whatever reason. I just I need to take another run at it. Um, but ultimately, what I would love to have is if somebody would just make a 1080p cell phone display that is no cell phone, it's just the display. Right. And I can just pop a USB in there, right, or or like a DV, right, like digital yep. video cable. Just go straight into it, and it treats – my PC would just see that as a monitor. I could set the game up for 3D, you know, side-by-side mode and just throw it straight into that cardboard, and I would have a VR headset for so 20 bucks have, plus the screen. They have, that. they have that, but it's not – you know, I mean it's not cheap, right? But they have this. I don't know if you've seen this before. I'll post it in the, in the chat. Okay. Uh, but this. Well, I saw some people were making a, a headset that's a competitor, but it actually has like a full-on Android device in it. Take a look at that. Oh, now that's kind of cool looking. I'm not digging the big ear cans on it because I got my own headphones, but that yeah. project that projects images into your eyeballs to your retina. Oh, neat. So is this going to be very similar to... Um, it's already out. To the, no, I'm, uh, but the, the thing that's coming, um, Magic Leap, have you, have you seen any oh, of that? Oh, oh. well, that's, that's augmented reality. That's, uh, right, right, but that's it's the same tech where the Magic Leap is blending. I don't know how the hell they're doing it, but the, they sense where the edges of objects are and what occludes what, and then they make their projected things actually occluded behind like if, it, if it's my desk and a robot walks in the room then it's not hovering over my desk it's you know it's truncated at the line of that how they do that got me um but I, i've seen the demo stuff for it and it looks pretty amazing uh but this i guess it's doing the same deal right where it's it's actually just putting no. it straight in the lens of your eye and and using your retina as, as uh, basically a projection screen right oh um Yeah, I don't know. I have not played around with this. I kind of want one because, I mean, you know, look at the specs, right? I mean, look what it does. It does, you know, side-by-side 3D content. It's 720p, but... Yeah, but uh, still. Yeah. But it, it because it's direct to your eye and you're not looking through a lens or right. something at right. a screen. It, so instead of looking at the thing, it's actually putting the thing in your retina. Yeah. So, okay, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of want one. Um, yeah, I, and I think honestly that would that would maybe be a better solution all the way around than trying to to see something that's you know a, a lens and then a screen because you you would miss well just projection is is naturally um, going to do anti-aliasing anyway, right? So you're not going to get like that screen door effect and all that baloney. Yeah, right, right, yeah. So for like playing content, you know, watching movies or even playing games, really, um, you know, that probably would be pretty awesome. Uh, um, but I mean, man, you know, I really w- like I really I was, you know, I was in L.A. this past weekend at VRLA. I really wish you weren't busy. I'm sorry. That was the craziest fucking weekend. We had to go to the beach for a goddamn birthday party, which I didn't want to no, do. No, no. And. Hey, Brian, was it like a toddler birthday party? 
I know. You see those guys' eyebrows? His eyebrows are Batman. crazy. Batman. It's got bat brows. I really wanted one of you guys, you know, to like when you play a VR game with motion controls where you're actually interacting with, especially like a cockpit based game, what we're doing and how you, you, you're actually, you know, interacting with the, the control switches in a very natural manner, right? I mean, you're twisting stuff, you're flicking switches up, you're holding on to the flight stick like you would really hold on to the flight stick. Um, so on and so forth. You can imagine a space game and doing similar things in a in a fighter craft and and be complete you know, like forget the HOTUS, right? You don't need a HOTUS because mm. every because all of that instruments are built in and you're actually interacting with it in the game. Well that's you know, the thing the- with the Vive. I'm surprised that they that they bothered to go with those joystick things that you hold, those wands. Uh, because they have the the islands right that are hung up in the corners of your room, and you could just have gloves with mocap dots on them, and it should be able to see like hands and fingers. What are you doing, right? Rather than just like oh, I'm waving two wands around. So I'm yeah. a little shocked that they didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. Like with the touch, it's a good little. It's not fully. It doesn't recognize all of your digits. It's it basically it doesn't even track the placement of. Your fingers. What it does is that the buttons, every single button in the, on that controller is capacitive. So, and, and how it fits your hands. I mean, if you, do you have video? Can you see video yet? No, I can't. I can. Yeah. I can. Okay. You see how my hands are like naturally rested? Sure. Okay. So there's actually two triggers. There's the trigger right here. And then there's a trigger underneath, and and your middle finger uh, rests on the trigger underneath, and then you're right. So when I'm when I'm want to grab something, I use this trigger underneath that my middle finger's rested. I just pull this, and I can grab stuff, just like sort of simulating grabbing stuff in real life. And then your forefinger. It knows like when it's resting on this button and then when it's up and it'll animate your hands in the game to mimic what you're doing. And it's the same thing with your thumb. So your thumb usually rests on the analog stick or it rests on one of these space buttons on the, on the, uh, on the controller. So when you lift your thumb up in the game, you'll see your thumb, you know, your digital representation of your thumb lift up. So you can do like thumbs up, you can do, uh, uh, you can do pointing, uh, you can do like uh, a gun, a gun sort of mimic, a gun animation, you know, and it, and it, and it responds in real time and, and you see that uh, your fingers animate in the game. Interesting. Yeah. Have you seen our teaser trailer that we, that we released? For your yeah. hand glider game? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And it made me sad I don't have VR. Now, let me ask you something about VR. Um, there are a lot of games coming out that are VR right now. A lot of crap little games, I've noticed. And they're VR only. Do you think that's going to hurt them in the long run? Because I can't imagine the adoption rate of VR is so great that that people are buying these games left and right. I mean, it really depends on the budget. Uh, it depends on, um, 
you know how much they're spending. A lot of these, a lot of these companies are. Uh, I just posted the uh, our website for the game. It's our our placeholder site, but it'll give you sort of a very very clear idea of what of what you're doing. Imagine that in VR, and imagine you know, that. I mean, that's really what it it feels like. I mean, it's pretty surreal. It does look lovely. It really does. I I mean, I I want a VR headset for stuff like this. Um, this does look fantastic. It, it, so in terms of, uh, yeah, I mean, it really depends on the budget and, and it depends on how much, how much your studio is spending, whether or not you're getting funded or not. Um, we are, you know, in a sense getting funded. So, um, but, you know, obviously we still want to, uh, uh, we want to make money off of this thing. Um, but our budget is so small that, uh, um, that I think, uh, I think there's a pretty good chance. The thing is, is that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see the, the, I, I've always predicted that VR is going to be a slow burn. Uh, it's going to, you, you have to convert people. And, and I don't think it's going to take a lot of, uh, convincing to convert them. Once you play a really good VR game, it's kind of hard to go back. Um, it, there just hasn't been very many good VR games. So, um, but what, it's like, like, I'll tell you this. We had we had uh, uh, pilots try try our game out at VRLA, Ooh. and and they basically said that that, that they can't ever go back to a, a regular two D simulator game. Um, it, it, it's like tasting it's like being a millionaire and suddenly having all the money taken away and now you're poor. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's hard to fathom to living that lifestyle and then going back to a, a, such an inferior sort of control method and experience um, after they played us. I mean, they called our game the most realistic sort of simulator they've, they've ever experienced. But on on the flip side, like what's interesting about flying ultralights is that, you know, they are not terribly hard to fly, uh, even in real life. You don't need an right. FAA license to fly one. Um, and And we had everybody from, you know, grandmas to... 10 year old kids, uh, fly and actually land, which is kind of a miracle. Uh, but, um, but, uh, and so it's an accessible flight sim, but it's, it is a sim. Uh, and you are, you know, we do simulate the, the aircraft physics, you know, pretty accurately. So anyway, no, that's, that's, I'm, I'm just walking around this enterprise you made and yeah, it's, so it's impressive. So speaking of uh, speaking of the enterprise in this game, um, what would you say was probably your favorite part of, of of building this game? Like, what was your absolute just favorite favorite part? Let me think. What was it? Finding out where the bathroom is on the enterprise? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, that that would interest me. Apparently, there is one. Wait on this enterprise in this game. No, we didn't. I don't think we put a bathroom in there. No, no, no. On on the Enterprise D, there was like a there was like a behind the scenes of the Next Generation hosted by um, uh, Jonathan Frakes, and he uh, he's like people have often wondered where the bathroom is, and he points to the big display of the Enterprise that's on the back side of the bridge there, like uh, uh, behind behind everybody, and like they do a zoom in, and it's like bathroom, and it's just like this one little square, like in the center of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> So I think my favorite thing was was um, 
honestly, working with the level designers and, and really sort of, um, I mean, I've worked hand in hand with those guys on, on creating sort of the, the major beats of each level uh, and then giving them feedback. And that back and forth um, process was, you know, when you work with super talented people and, and it's just a joy to work with. Also animation. I mean, I, I work quite closely with the animators on on um, on getting the the weapon animations feeling right, um, and uh, and even some of the the, the in game animations of, of the enemies that you you faced. Um, a lot of tweaks went into to to their animations too. So. But but my favorite was was no doubt the the level designers. I mean, meeting Patrick Stewart was nice, but I don't get starstruck, so it wasn't like I wouldn't call it the highlight. It was just a nice perk. Um, well, it's good to know you're immune to us then. Thank God. <laughs> hey, by the way, I did get my video working. Can you hold that touch control back up? I, I yeah. want to see what the heck that was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's wow, way smaller. Yeah. You see those little those little sensors? Those are actually uh-huh. invisible to the naked eye, but they're detected uh, only. Uh, oh, neat. Yeah, through, through the uh, camera. So the so the camera the the way that they're doing this right is uh, the Oculus is still going to have just a single camera that's in front of you, so it's going to no, use those dots to detect. Uh, yeah. Um, so because I could see motion, right? If you move it, it's going to see the motion. Yeah. Um. Touch actually ships with a second camera. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, a, a, a separate. Well, it's just yeah, it's like a sensor. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it ships with a second one. And basically, how I, how I have it configured is I have um, the second one on top of a shelf that angles uh, about forty five degrees down, looking at me, and uh, and then I have one on you know facing at my my the height of my head when I'm sitting. And, uh, and basically what I do when I play the game, I do have to scoot my chair back, um, you know, away from the desk to give ample amount of space as I'm doing right now. And, uh, and then, you know, I'll try to mimic how I play, but it's, you know, I don't hold my hands this high, obviously. I, you can, you know, you rest your hands on the, on your footrest or even on, on your lap, but, you know, you're you're literally like you know holding the stick and moving the stick around and reaching down and grabbing the throttle and pulling the throttle up and all that. I mean, you're doing what you would really do in an aircraft. Um, you know, it's not gamepad where it's just flicking you know analog sticks or triggers. So okay, that's really cool. It works amazingly well. We did a, we we showed the game in VRLA uh, this past weekend. And uh, the response was uh, overwhelmingly positive. People call this game of the show. So, um, so since you're doing an ultralight sim, could you? Yeah. Um, are, are all of your ultralights with the like a stick in front of you, or do you have some that are the bar, like it's a hang glider? Oh right, no. So basically, what we're doing is it's not truly. I mean, we have an ultralight in the game, but we have other aircraft. So we're doing ultralight right now. We're slated to do I think four different aircraft. Uh, but ultralights, uh, we have a stunt plane, we have a, a, a glider, not a hang glider, but one of those wide wing gliders. And, uh-huh. and, and then we're probably going to do a gyrocopter. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, because I, I was thinking uh, for the VR thing, like if if you wanted to do just a glider kind of oh, like a hang glider. Um, yeah, just put a hang glider in there, and then like just simulate like okay, well, you know, we're gonna start you at like five thousand feet and yep. down the side of a hill. Because yep. I used to watch guys. Because from my from my grandmother's house, there was a farm that was a couple miles away, and it had a really big hill that was no trees on the one side. And people would just like all summer long, they'd be up that thing with hang gliders and and stuff. And it was it was really neat to watch them. I would love to do a hang glider game, and I mean, you could do one. The, the only thing I worry about it is fatigue with your arms, because you know with a hang glider game, you're going to be holding the bar. Uh, yeah, you could sell it as a fitness app. Yeah, I mean you're going to be holding it to like your chest level, right? And um, I can't imagine like not being able to rest your arms for, you know, a good, I mean, I don't know. How long do the hang glider stay up? 15 minutes, 20 minutes? Yeah, it's a while. You know? uh, that's a long time for that. So, um, well, then you sell them an accessory, which is basically like a T-shaped broomstick. And you can, uh... <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you mentioned that because Valve just, uh, 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 I, I don't know if you saw the news reports, but Valve basically uh, opened up, they open sourced their uh, tracking system for the Vive, so that um, oh, you can cool. actually become a uh, a man. You can manufacture your own uh, tracking controllers now. Oh, weird. Okay, that's that's really neat, and I think that's gonna that's gonna push a lot of innovation in their stuff. Where the Oculus is going to really lag behind now, because look look at the Wii, right? And how much third party stuff came out for the Wii. Granted, most of it was trash, right? But but it was it was just like a flood in the market of like here's you know accessories from hell. Yeah, yeah. So well, well, it adds perceived value. I think I think where where you'll likely see um, that stuff really take off of Valve is is for. Uh, uh, commercial and um, and even uh, like theme park rides and theme park attractions, and you'll see that sort of gain a lot more uh, momentum, I think. Whereas uh, for home, I think Oculus will probably rule the roost for home experiences simply because a it's cheaper and b you don't need really a room, and you don't need a room with the vibe, but I mean, let's be let's be let's be honest here. Um, you know, mo- most if not all vibe games are room scale experiences, and yeah. for good reason. You know, for good reason. I mean, that's what you, that's the core focus of the product. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be real, real interesting to see what happens in the next uh, couple of years. But I'll be honest with you, those the, t- the touch controllers that I you know these are so. You have to use them. They they look a little weird, and and it's like you know what what, what wireless and they're small and they're tiny, dude. When you use them and you use them, let's say you give it give it ten minutes, uh, it's hard to go back to anything else. I mean, really, really is. Yeah. Well, the the thing that I've been seeing just you know looking at the Steam store is a lot of the stuff that's coming out is is very experimental, but it's kind of like one trick pony. You know, they're they're not taking a traditional game thing. It's it's almost like the, it's VR toys. 
Yes. Right. Like like how the Wii, whenever it came out, it's a good parallel because it was a bunch of, of like shovelware of like That's this right. is entertaining for five minutes and yep. yeah. And I'll tell you what, I'm not a fan of that. Right. I'm, I wasn't a fan of that on the Wii, uh, and I'm not a fan of it uh, on VR. Um, I, I just I want to play traditional games with my head in the game. I don't, yeah. I don't want to do new things. It's just like, let me play Fallout looking around. That's right. that's all I want. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way, but, I, but on the flip side, so my, my biggest concern with, if you, if you think about traditional games and the traditional long form games, I should say, so stuff like Fallout, stuff like Skyrim, the idea of spending all that time in the world is, is awesome, right? Like being in that world and being able to look around and physically feeling like you're there, man, it sounds like, I mean, uh, uh, so amazing that, you know, you just can't wait to do it, right? Except when you actually do it and you get tired after 10 minutes and you're like, I need a break. And, and it ends up becoming incredibly fatiguing to, to do it. And so I, I question, especially a game like Fallout, where you can really get sort of lost in it for hours at a time, right? You can spend a whole afternoon. I mean, you spend a whole day there. You, there's no way you're going to be able to do that in VR. No way. Your average gamer will not be able to do it. And I would say most people would not be able to do it. Um, it's just a, a fatiguing, fatiguing experience. The headsets, especially the Vive, weighs a lot more than than the Rift. The Rift is very light, uh, very, very light. The Vive is not so much, is, is, is quite a bit heavier. And... Um, and uh, just walking around, dude. I mean, it, it's 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 wild. And then when you get into combat, I mean, forget about it, right? It's like yeah. So the traditional monitor experience isn't going anywhere anytime soon. No, no, not at all. And and, and the thing is, is that what we're doing, like we're making a, 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 a open world game where it's I mean, it's about ten hours worth of gameplay, but you play it in bite sized chunks. So you know, you play it like five minutes at a time. So each each sort of mission is about five minutes. And so you have this constant feeling of progression, but, um, you know, we don't stick you in the game for, you know, there's there's periods of rest, right? And, and that's where we see VR gaming really right now where it's where you need to focus on. Does that make sense? Yeah. It totally does. So, uh, you know, creating like these these huge epic games for VR is overkill, right? I mean, it just totally is. You have to design around around the strengths of the technology rather than try to shoehorn. Like, like for example, No Man's Sky, man, sounds like a great thing for VR, right? Terrible, terrible game, terrible game for VR. I mean, just terrible. Oh, I, I thought you were going to just leave that in general. Like <laughs> I can, I can, I can feel that there was like a flood warning that went out. It was just like there may be flood of tears anytime. Well, let's. I, I think honestly, IGN did the disservice there because the game. I liked it at the scale that it was, but then the hype train got it, and then everybody's just like, "This, this is the last game you'll ever need. It does everything." And no one a, said that. Uh, you well, you know, well, you know what was interesting oh. though is like 
I saw recently uh, Kotaku just like put out this article, and this is just a, a testament of just the bad journalism at Kotaku. Um, is that there was two? You know, the, okay, so they say they originally were kind of vague on the whole single player multiplayer thing at the beginning. It, it was kind of like one of those things. Well, well, the universe is so big; it's like a one in quintillion like chance that you'll ever run into anybody, right? That was kind of like what they were saying. And then they they eventually came out and just said, well, no, it's just straight up single player. It's not multiplayer at all. You're not going to interact with anybody. Don't even like think about it, right? And so then apparently two Twitch streamers were like, oh hey, we've we've like we're on the same planet. Let's like link up and like find each other. And I'm and they're like surprised because apparently they're in a different instance. And I'm thinking to myself, guys, what? Why got the memo? I don't understand why everybody's making such a big deal about this game. One and two, why no one's like reading any information from the developer because you look at the Steam page for No Man's Sky, it clearly says single player game. Like yeah. I I do not I do not understand. Ah. Because everybody wants Stupid that people. game to be something that they dreamed of, right? And it's like it seems like it's it's so close to being everyone's dream game that it ends up m- might be no one's dream game. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm about I guess I'm about an hour into it and uh, and I've repaired my ship and I'm dude I love it man. It, it scratches that itch for me of like wandering around a planet, flying into a ship, getting you know going. I haven't even gone to another planet yet. I don't even want to. You can't uh, touch the red, Brian. Don't touch the red stuff. I just want to like stay on this planet and, and 100% it before venturing off. I don't know. It's like, it's the, for me, I'm so terrible at like Twitch games that this like just screams like, uh, a relaxing game that, yeah, it has some survival stuff to it, but I haven't found it to be that, uh, um, pervasive yet um and uh, i don't know man i i I could see myself sinking 40 50 hours into this thing just sticking around to be quite honest with you yeah i I think it's an interesting thing i i just god if you could just bring a friend with you you know that's the thing that kills me like skyrim Probably the greatest game Same thing. that's come yep. out yet. And, and if I could just have one other person in there with me, that would be great. Especially whenever they do stuff like they do in Fallout where it's like, hey, here's a builder mechanic. Like you can build towns and stuff, It's it's but nobody can come see it. Right. And, and it's like, oh, man. It's, right, and they're planning on – Nintendo or something. And from what I understood, they're going to add the base building feature later in No Man's Sky, if I was reading that correctly from the developer. It's a, it's a feature that's going to come later. I, I, don't quote me on that. I thought I, I thought I read that, but I could have read it wrong. Yeah, you read correctly. But, Uh, and no spoilers, but when people get to the end of No Man's Sky, if you thought that there was rage about the Mass Effect 3 ending, (laughs) that's all I'm going to say. Well, uh, let's just not go there on that one. But uh, what I was going to say is, is I think Jim hit a really good point. Is I think I think developers are are missing uh, when you make a game like No Man's Sky or Skyrim, for that matter. 
when you when you make a game that's like that, I, I feel like you should almost consider adding in like a like a drop in drop out maximum of four friend co op. You know what I'm saying? Like you can still have your normal same experience, but you can like you know with Borderlands, like I could I could play the game by myself, but I could also bring in a friend to share the experience with me. And I know a lot of people are actually really excited about the idea of just like not having to deal with griefers in in this galaxy of No Man's Sky. They can actually just relax and enjoy and play. And part of me ag- agrees with that, but part of me was like, you know, I'd love to have a friend tag along and enjoy it with me too. But well, like in my uh, situation because my wife plays games too, not Mech Warrior though. But peer pressure will cure this. Um but the, you know, it's like she'll play Ark. I'll jump in Ark with her, whatever. We both have Subnautica. Don't play Subnautica because I can't see her stuff. She can't see mine. Right. But okay. they're planning on adding that feature though. Someday maybe. I talked to him the other night and it's like, yeah, it's so far back burner you can't even see it. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I I hear you. I, I definitely uh, I understand uh, completely. But the rest of the game looks great, though. Yeah. So have you played, as a space game guy, have you played, um, what did they call Enemy Starfighter? I can't even remember what the oh, name House, House of, of the Dying House of Sun. 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 Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you messed with that in 3D with the headset? I did. I did. When it first came out, I, I, I played it. Um, I died very, very quickly. I didn't know what the hell was going on. It's a hard um, game. It's a challenging it, game. It looked It looked nice. You know, the thing, again, this is like, this goes back to what I was talking about earlier with, um, with gamepad playing, playing, uh, 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 VR games with a gamepad or, you know, or even, even to some extent, um, like Elite. I mean, when I first played Elite, uh, with the DK2 and, and I had a, a HOTUS set up, it, it was incredibly immersive, right? Um, and, and I was like in ooh and ah and wow, this is the future and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and now playing a VR game with a gamepad is just so counterintuitive when I'm used to seeing my hands in the world, uh, that, that I, it's a, uh, it's a waste of time. I just won't do it. Um, I want to play House of the Dying Sun with, uh, interactive, you know, console and, uh. You know, just like what we're doing now, I want everybody to basically do what we're doing with Ultra Rings with space games and other flight games. Because uh, to me, that's the most immersive, and that's what VR is made for. Well, keyboard and mouse is problematic when you can't see the keyboard and mouse, yeah, too. Yeah, right, right. And so, exactly. And that's, you know, th- yeah, and, and I hear you. But that's why, like, even these third-person games that are coming out uh, for, for Rift... Um, you know, that are played with a gamepad. I mean, look, dude, let's be honest. Wearing headsets is not the most comfortable thing in the world, right? So, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's called Spade to Spade. It's really not that comfortable. Uh, I would probably rather not be wearing a headset than wearing a headset, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I, I think shortly they might shrink it down to just be like wearing a pair of eyeglasses. Probably. But, but for me, it's like if I'm going to put on a headset and play a game, I want it to put me in the world. I want to feel like I'm there. That's why I'm playing a VR game, right? And when I play a VR game with a fucking gamepad, I'm not in the world. I'm control. I'm a puppet master controlling a puppet, but I'm not really there. Uh, I don't, I don't see my hands. I don't, 
I, I'm not really interacting with the world in any meaningful way. Um, so that's why like VR games with gamepad is, 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 is a, a non-starter for me. And I, I think for most people, it's going to be like that. And then, and then once you play a game that has like, you know, I mean, I'm just to my own horn, you play ultra wings and you see your hands and you see, and you're interacting with the world and interacting with your cockpit. It's like, it's, it's like watching color after watching black and white the whole time. Oh god, the rage is real. Now PC gamers talking about the same Kotaku article. What the hell? Oh, Guys, man. Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. How'd this even come up? Anyway. The, the, no, it's the new journalism. It's, uh, it's, it's the, the, the snake journalism. eats its own tail. That's yes. not, that's not. Anyway! Rage! <laughs> so where, where are you at in the game? Oh, now? I just made it to the Dallas. Okay, and, cool. And oh, yeah, that's a great level. I just made it to the Dallas, and I saw some creepy thing, and I had to stop, because I don't like creepy things. They scare me a lot, and I will jump out of my seat if something comes at me. I, I want to play the alien mod for this, where they just stick a xenomorph in there. It's like, <laughs> it's Star Trek, but all of a sudden, out of the vent. So I'm trying, yeah, I'm, yeah. Tr- I'm trying a solo match. The, I'm shooting Picard! Da- I'm shooting Picard! Yeah, that's right. Fuck you, Baldi. The Dallas level is probably one of my most favorite uh, levels in the game because of how atmospheric it is with the floating dead bodies. Oh god, it's so atmospheric! But I got I I crawled through one uh, like Jeffrey's tube, and next thing I know, I see a tail of something yeah creeping around. Like ah no 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 no, I had to stop. The great thing about that Dallas mission, which was really cool, is how it starts out, where it's just like, we're, re- we're receiving a distress signal from the Dallas about some strange thing. They're warning every ship in the area to stay away. And Picard's kind of, Picard's kind of like, screw it, we got the hazard team. Take us to the Dallas. And you're just like, oh god, but they just said stay away. <laughs> why is it, why is it that the Enterprise is always the only ship in the quadrant? The quadrant's always, really big. Always the only ship, or the closest ship, at the very least. Always you know, the you closest know, ship. You know, you know the one that kills me the most is Star Trek Generations. When they are, like, within the Earth's solar system, and they get a distress signal, and they're the only ship in range... At Earth, yeah, There was the Mars, like there's the Mars ship building, like what the hell? How are they the only ship in range in the Earth solar because system? Because that's what the writers needed. Which <laughs> is annoying as fuck. Couldn't they have like launched from like another like? Let's, I don't let's know. Let's wrap this up on a positive note, though. Has everyone seen Star Trek Beyond? Yes, I no. Saw it. it was a fuck ton of fun. It was. It was so much fun. I was shocked at how much just balls to the wall fun it was. Like you know, you see the you know, you see that scene in the trailer where there's a motorcycle. You're like, what the hell is a motorcycle doing here? Yeah. But in the movie, it makes perfect sense, and it's yeah. awesome. Well, and it connected because the first time we met Kirk, he was on a motorcycle. Yeah. All right. I so, thought he was driving was a Corvette. I thought he was driving thought, that classic Corvette when we first met. Yeah, but didn't he have a motorcycle in the first one as well? He did later when he well, was an adult. Okay. Yeah, when he was an adult, he had a motorcycle. So yeah. Anyway, the uh, the interesting homage to Enterprise was interesting. Like I I was kind of surprised by that. Oh, that they mentioned like was it the Kazin War or whatever the Zinti War? 
No, no, no. Like the, the little ship they find, like that. That's an old NX ship. Like that's the exact well, same. Well, if you think about it, Enterprise is apparently now the only stuff that has happened pre-Kelvin timeline. If you think about it. Well, well, the Kelvin timeline is also different for a number of other reasons, though. The what ship I'm design saying is the Enterprise happened in the Enterprise era. Stuff happened both in Prime and Kelvin. So right. I'm saying it happened before the split. Sure. Which I like. Yeah. Which I thought that was neat that they went back to that. I like that. The, the the only downside of that movie is that the bad guy's motivation made no sense. Just revenge, apparently. Okay. Yeah, that's that's uh that's what a lot of people were yeah. uh, a lot of people. Were but saying, that, so. beyond that, it's very trekky. Uh, even even everyone gets their moment, even if it's a really little moment. Everyone gets a moment, which is great. Uh, mm. and the and the best thing about it, a lot more McCoy, a lot more McCoy. Yeah, uh, you know he no. almost didn't come back for this film because he felt like his uh, character didn't get enough screen time. He in the other didn't. Two he did. He was the biggest waste. He was the biggest wasted uh, resource in the previous two movies. Totally. But they gave him a lot more to do in this one, and it worked great. Yeah. So if you guys haven't seen Star Trek Beyond, go see it. It's actually a ton of fun. Uh, so let's start wrapping this up. Um, guys, we're going to be revisiting this game again on Thursday to do some multiplayer because it works over Evolve and it worked just again, like the installing out the box, just boom, just worked. It was great. Um, so that was, it was really nice. So we're going to play some multiplayer over Evolve on Thursday nights. Now next week is next week is a big deal for a couple of reasons, folks. Just the last thing. Monday I'm taking the day off because it's Space Game Junkies' fifth anniversary, so I'm going to be streaming shit all day. Good games, bad games. Going to be having a trivia contest. I still have to come up with stuff for that. Um, giveaways, all kinds of stuff. That's next Monday, as you're listening to this, the 15th of August. Uh, next Thursday, the 18th of August. Uh, we are having a meetup inside Elite Dangerous. We're all meeting at Tumbao Station in Orcas, and we're going to cause a ruckus. So if you have Elite Dangerous, head on down to Orcas, and we're all going to be flying. What co- day is that? Huh? It's the 18th, Thursday, next Thursday. Not this coming okay. Thursday. We're all going to be flying Cobra Mark 3s so that no one's like, oh, I can't jump as far as you in my vulture. Too bad. Get a goddamn Cobra. So we're all going to be in Cobras. And we're all going to fly around and do shit. So that's next Thursday, the 18th. So there's a bunch of shit coming. Is that, what, what did you say the occasion was that you're there's, doing that? It, there's no occasion the for the elite thing. Just someone said, oh. we should have a get together. I'm like, that's a great idea. Sure. So, so we're doing it. Uh, so yeah, uh, the details of that are on Space Game Junkie, as are the details for the fifth anniversary streamathon, I'm calling it. And again, there are contests. So I'm, I'm basically paying you to show up. And celebrate with me. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's really, there's a lot of shit coming up. So, uh, any last words you guys or should we wrap this thing up? Let's get, let's get this wrapped. All right. Well, folk, oh, Chris, finally, where can folks find you online? Like where can they check out your game and, and your other games? Where can people find you online? You got, you got, you got a Twitter? You got yeah. Twitter? You got Twitter? Yeah, at BitPlanet Games, uh, BitPlanetGames.com. Uh, and, uh, ultrawingsgame.com. Uh, Alright, so it's again, bitplanetgames, bigplanetgames.com and ultrawingsgame.com. And the ultrawings is the game, it's not out yet, but it's coming out. 
right? It's coming, yeah. And again, right now... You got a time frame on that? Yeah. December. Oh, nice. And again, right now, folks, as we're recording this for the entire week, uh, the Soul games, Fleets of Soul and Battle for Soul, they're both on sale. 50% off. 50% yeah. off on Steam's week-long sale. So if you haven't checked them out, they're a good time. They're a fun, story-driven piece of popcorn, like a, like a summer movie. You know, it's just fun. You know, so check that out. So, Chris, thank you for coming on the fourth or fifth time to talk about yeah. not just Elite Force 2, which is turning out to be a great game that I want to play more of, but but all the VR stuff and all the, the drama about working at Remedy and working for Activision. I had no idea that Activision ba- – that Activision – or. Activision basically sabotaged their own franchise. That is just... Yeah, not many people do. It's one of those... That's so you know. crushing. That's so stupid and crushing. It's yeah, so- I'm just stoked to find out that Chris and I probably partied together and didn't even know it. <laughs> yeah. I was there, my friend. I was there. Oh, my God. Well, thank well, you. After about a half hour hanging out with Richard, I didn't know who was there. I was barely even there myself. Well, thank you, everyone, for watching and for listening. Oh, and next week on the show, we're doing an early show uh, at 6 a.m. Pacific. We just got the developer for Dual Universe. Uh, sadly, we don't have a playable build to try beforehand, but uh, hopefully we'll get some good questions in. Uh, yeah, next Tuesday is, uh, I forgot about this, the 6 a.m. Pacific podcast for Dual Universe. So uh, check that out, and I think think that's it. Anybody else have any th- last things to add before I wrap it? No, man. Stay tuned for Thursday, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is a fun multiplayer game. Seriously. Yeah, so Chris, with the, the think, VR headsets... I think he's gone. No, no I'm he's here. still there. Oh. So, with the VR headsets, like the... I'm still trying to make I haven't decision, cut the right? thing the, yet. We're still alive. The, Do you the want... Oculus or, or the oh, Vive. Bye, like, everyone. Which, which one would you say is better for... Let's have some music in here, Boiler. Sure thing. Guys, you're